Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number seven of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math. Let's start by thanking our sponsor, Audible, who is offering a free audiobook of your choice. Just head on over to stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com to get your free audiobook. Now let's get fired up with our guest, Jerry, and I hope our chat today will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Jerry Brown graduated in 1976 from Worcester Polytechnic Institute with a Bachelor of Science in Math. Upon graduation, Jerry started his career at State Mutual Life Assurance Company and was there for almost 18 years and left as VP of Product Strategy, going to Milliman as a consulting actuary for a couple of years. He retired in 2015 after 18 years at Mutual of America as Executive VP and Chief Actuary. Jerry is not really retired, however. He is currently the president of the Society of Actuaries. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Take a moment to fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Thanks, Jeff. Um, just personal life. Uh, I am married with four, four grown children. Um, the best part of that is I have three grandchildren. So in addition to playing with, uh, with them, I love to play tennis. I do a lot of skiing. I like hiking. I like gardening. I like all things outdoors, um, climbing mountains and, and swimming and so forth. So um, I'm retired, but I live a fairly active lifestyle. And currently, as president of the Society of Actuaries, I do an enormous amount of travel. Um, I'm heading off to Asia for three weeks in a couple of days. I just got back from Quebec a few uh, a few days ago and find myself on the road quite a bit um, speaking for the actual profession. So I'm retired, but absolutely enjoying myself. Thanks, Jerry, for being here and filling in those gaps. So our audience are high school students, uh, freshmen, sophomore in college, thinking about their careers. And we've got students out there thinking about actuary. So for those students that aren't that familiar with actuary, can you fill in what actuary really is and what some career opportunities are? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, for someone not familiar with it, I'd suggest they go to beanactuary.com and they can get a little background information about what actuaries do. That's a great resource. Um, but actuaries are involved with kind of the mathematics of finance. Um, we get involved with pension plans in, in terms of helping a company or a government figure out how much money they need to put into a plan each year so that a pension plan is solvent. We do a lot of work in health insurance, both designing health insurance plans, helping employers deliver health insurance at the best possible cost to get the, the greatest benefits for what they're willing to, to pay. And we're very involved with making sure life insurance companies and property casualty companies are financially sound. So it's an awful lot of behind the scenes work in terms of um, companies reporting what their reserves are, which are really their liabilities for all the policies they have. Um, and it, you know, they, they get involved, we get involved with the uh, investment strategy, with product design, with the products we underwrite. Uh, it's really fascinating work, sort of every day is different. Um, there are opportunities um, in consulting, probably nearly half of all actuaries work either for themselves or for a large consulting firm or something in between, where they're, they're doing different, different work every day for a variety of, of clients. There's opportunities with regulators to, who oversee all the insurance companies, 
There's a lot of opportunities with, with academics. There are probably 200 schools in the U.S., for example, as well as another many more overseas um, that have actual programs. So the, these schools all have either um, professors with PhDs and perhaps um, actual credentials, or maybe they're working actuaries, working as adjunct professors, teach, teaching courses after uh, after hours, after their work hours. So. There's really kind of no matter what your interest is, there's opportunities in, in companies, in consulting, in government, um, in academia, in research, uh, and elsewhere. But it's, it's just absolutely great work. Jerry, thanks for that great overview. For STEM Nation, if you're wondering why we're talking about actuarial science, is most people think that STEM is science and engineering, but there's also the M in STEM, which is the math portion. And actuarial science is essentially a math degree with business aspects added into it. So if you're interested in math, but you're really not into the physics and the science side, actuarial science may be a career that you may want to pursue. So Jerry, if you could dig into your specific area of expertise. I'm happy to do that. And, um, you know, as Jeff said, uh, most actuaries have a degree in either math or today uh, it's more common, even actuarial science. Um, but you can you can have a degree in English literature, Russian history, or anything else, and, and we actually need people like that to make sure our our, uh, our profession is full of people with a variety of interests and variety of backgrounds. Um, as Jeff said earlier in my introduction, uh, I went to WPI Worcester Polytech up in Worcester and have a degree in math to get into the actuarial field. There there's a series of exams that are sponsored on the, the life and health side by the Society of Actuaries and on the property casualty, which is uh, automobile insurance, general liability, those sorts of things by the Casualty Actual Society. So there's two separate professional associations that each give um, a series of examinations. And by um, passing your examinations, you become qualified or it's part of the process of becoming qualified and credentialed. The, the top credential offered by the Society of Actuaries is a fellow of the Society of Actuaries, and by the Casualty Actuarial Society, it's a fellow of the Casualty Actuarial Society. And so, you know, you can expect to be, while you're working, um, it's somewhat apprentice-like is almost the wrong word, but you'd be working but studying both uh, at work, companies give you study time, and then studying on your own as well after hours um, to pass these exams, which I, I will admit are difficult, but but entirely possible. Um, I passed each of my exams the first time I took each of them. And that's fantastic. It really is. It was an accomplishment. But I, I devoted a lot of time to it. Um, a lot of our pass rates are in the neighborhood of, of 40%. So there's a better than even chance that you're not going to pass. But if you work at it, um, you can. So that was sort of my early, my early uh, introduction. It was I passed two exams in college. I passed the rest of them while I was working. Uh, I started out doing some some pension work. I was working. Uh, my company sold pension plans to small corporations, and we advised them on how much money they should put into the plan. We advised them on how they should invest the money, and we uh, we did all the plan administration, which was not the actual part of it, but the company still um, kept track of, of who earned what benefit, and as the people retired, paid those benefits to people. I moved around from there. I had, I had quite an interesting career in that I, I, I very early I, I was involved in running a line of business. So I ran a little investment business in my company, which had several billion dollars uh, of assets under management. Um, and I spent a lot of time actually in general management, probably the last uh, my last 
job, which I spent 18 years at. I was the chief actuary of a life insurance company. And by chief, being chief actuary, I'm basically responsible for all the actual functions of the company, as well as part of a senior management member, you know, helping to run the company itself. So how should we invest the money? Uh, all all the, the nuances of, of how our products should be designed, how we should price them and, and so forth. My real expertise probably is in investments and in, in kind of risk management, how the company can take the um, make the most of the opportunities that it has in terms of not taking risks that would bankrupt the company, but taking a little risk here and there where, um, where the payoff far exceeds the, the risk taken. So I just had a very interesting career. I did 18 years at two different light companies. I, w I worked as a consultant for three years in between those two jobs. And, and in consulting, I had just a great opportunity to be involved in actually lots and lots of companies. Um, I had a couple of assignments that went three, four, five months that was basically full time with a specific company. And I had others where it was a few hours here, a few hours there, or a, a small project that, that might have taken me a month or two of while I was doing, you know, three other things at the same time. So, you know, just, to, you know, I, I, th I think very highly both of for the opportunities in consulting and in company work. Obviously, I spent 36 years in a company and in two companies and three years in consulting. So for me, the, the company side was what uh, what I got most excited about and, and really enjoyed. I really loved kind of tinkering with the company in terms of trying a new product. If it, if it didn't meet expectations, what would we do to either increase sales, increase product appeal, make a little more money where we could. And, and you know, usually by changing a little here and changing a little there, you never can quite guess how much a small pricing change might make and how much you sell or how many of your customers you retain. And you can never tell how a little product design feature um, might attract new customers or how it might actually cost you more money. So it, it um, it's a whole series of trade-offs. And being an actuary, you're kind of the scientist behind all of it, getting involved in, in making those things work. And by uh, serving as chief actuary, I was kind of in, in charge of it all, kind of most responsible for making sure my company stayed solvent and uh, remained as profitable as it could be given the risk profile that we wanted to undertake. So that's a little bit about about my background. Uh, again, mostly company work, and uh, I have to say I, I thoroughly enjoyed um, the work I did. I, I worked with a lot of really interesting people. I, I really felt I made a difference in the companies I, I worked for and when I was consulting and the recommendations I was making to my clients. Um, I, I made awfully good money along the way, and, and, and that kind of made it interesting as well. So that's a little bit about my expertise and experience, Jeff. Uh, hey, I appreciate that, Jerry. And yet, one thing that my daughter looked at is, um, you know, actuary. I said, hey, go look at actuary, and, you know, you got to make a living, so go see how much money you can make as an actuary, and it and it's a, can be a very lucrative career. It, it really is. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly where starting salaries are. It would obviously be probably higher in New York City than where, where I last worked than elsewhere, but, you know, to start at fifty dollars or $60,000 isn't, isn't out of their own possibility um, to make 10 times that mid-career or 20 times that late career is also not. Uh, I knew actually many actuaries um, making seven figures. Um, now, I don't think that's all of them, but it, it's easy to make an awful lot of money if you're willing to work hard and find yourself in the, in, in the right place. Um, but normally as you work, as you pass exams, most companies will give you a salary increase. So with three exams, you make this much money. And with four exams, you get, you know, $5,000 more or $10,000 more, whatever the company's policy is. But generally, you can expect to get study time, 
while you're taking exams and salary increases when you pass those exams. So while they're difficult, um, the rewards are can, can be pretty strong. You can make your own um, kind of financial success with it. Yeah, no, nothing comes easy. Everything everything takes work and stemnation. You you got to work at things regardless of what you're going to do, and the rewards are awesome. Well, the financial rewards are great. Um, you're going to spend you know thirty or forty years working. You better enjoy it. Um, and uh, actuarial work is just offers great opportunities to to really have work that you enjoy doing. I, I don't know anyone that thought of it as drudgery doing the same thing every day because as you learn more, you can just um, do more with your with your career. Yep, I agree. And that's the same. I'm a, in the computer engineering field and every day is new to me and that's exciting to me. And I love that. I love what I do. And uh, yeah, if work was not interesting, uh, life would not be so great. Let's uh, change gears here a little bit. I'm going to get really specific here. And what is one thing that has you fired up about actuary and where do you see actuary headed? You know, Jeff, the, the, the one thing that has me fired up the most about um, the actual profession and about where our where we're going is predictive analytics, um, big data, data science, um, all the things around that. Um, just as you know, actuaries have really always been data scientists. It's just that now the tools we have are are so much better. Than what even when I started working, and when I started working, we didn't have even personal computers at our desks. Now, with, with our software, you can um, you can analyze big data sets and, and figure out what they say. So, actuaries are getting involved with with improving underwriting processes, improving the the outcomes of of healthcare patients, reducing the cost of healthcare um, with data science, with predictive analytics, um, using them in the property cash area to track storm movements to predict storm damage if if a hurricane goes a certain way um, there's just there's a lot even actuaries are getting involved today um, with climate uh, just last November uh, several actual associations including the Society of actuaries once the actuaries climate index which measures sort of the outliers of temperature sea level winds um, that sort of thing. And we're about to launch uh, later this year the Actuaries Climate Risk Index, which sort of weights all those factors by the amount of insurance in any given area. Uh, the, the fact that there may be tornadoes in, in in South Dakota may not be important if you have no business there. But if you've got a, an enormous amount of business on Long Island, a hurricane in that area would be very significant. So it kind of measures where your risks are and and what the, uh, the outlying weather effects are, how many times there's so many standard uh, deviations outside the norm. So there's a lot going on with predictive analytics. It's just an exciting area, and it's something we're actually adding to our examinations, more more statistics, and a predictive analytics project to help actuaries prepare for the um, the opportunities ahead. Yeah, big big data. I mean, we see that even in the computer route, where we do you know high performance computing, artificial intelligence, and the compute power now is there, where you can actually run huge data sets and get results. Do you see artificial intelligence coming into play in actuary? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in, in some respects, there's a concern that that artificial intelligence will take over some of the the low level work that actuaries do. But I think you know, for every job that's lost to artificial intelligence. There's another one created at a higher level to oversee that as actuaries are able to do far more by, by harnessing the power of those those data and analytic tools you're, you're talking about. Um, Going to just create great opportunities going forward. But artificial intelligence definitely is is 
on the horizon, uh, machine learning, I want, you know, whatever name you want to use for it, is, is going to impact our field in ways we probably can't fully imagine right now. I agree. With that, do you do you feel that actuaries should have some computer science classes in their tool belt? You know, most actuaries actually do. Um, it's not tested so much on our exam system. It, it's just sort of. Um, Expected now that the graduating college seniors certainly going into the STEM fields have have some basic computer skills. Um, I think if you went into the actual field with none, you'd, you'd end up being a little disadvantaged early on, but quickly you'd figure it out. Um, most actuaries, I think, are pretty good with Excel, with, with that with that sort of thing, with with some of the, the higher level tools beyond that, but. Generally, it's something you can learn on the job. I, I, like in my day, I, I did take computer courses in, in languages that aren't even used any longer. But yeah. <laughs> uh, but, it, but it gave me the, the skill I needed. You know, uh, Excel's a piece of cake once you once you've learned Fortran. Yeah, Fortran. Yeah, that's what I learned back in the day as well, and not so much used anymore. But no, no. Um, so it, it's a big part of what actuaries do is, is is computer skills. But I'll tell you, you know, as as I moved up into management, um, I was paid a lot more than the people that worked for me. But in terms of technical skills, they were far more capable than I was at at, um, at, at making the computer uh, do things, analyzing data, projecting things out, figuring out problems. And that you know, I sort of understood the the, the depth of it, but couldn't have actually, it would have just taken me a lot longer to do it myself to figure it out. So um, it's, it's, a, it's a big part of what actuaries do, and, and you have to sort of like that sort of thinking, that technical thinking, that kind of logical thinking that, that goes behind computer programming. I, I agree. I think, I think it doesn't matter what field you go into. If you're going to mechanical engineering or chemical engineering, you need to develop computer skills, whether it's just in a scripting language like Python. Because if you can make a computer do the drudgery and do things very well, it just makes you more productive and more valuable to your employer. Absolutely. All right, Jerry. Hey, that's a, that was a great overview. I really appreciate that. That's going to give a lot of insight into the folks listening. We're gonna we're gonna change here a bit. We're gonna we're gonna go to an aha moment. So we're gonna move into a story, an aha moment that you've had that you think would help our STEM nation. So, can you take us to a moment in time of an incredible aha moment you've had? You know, something maybe in your personal or work life, and then, you know, how you turn that story into success. Yeah, I actually I gave that uh, a little thought, and um, you know, early in in my career, not not that early, but I was a new fellow, so I had f finished all my exams. I've been working for for five or six years at that point, and um, in the early 1980s, interest rates just skyrocketed. Um, having been you know kind of at three or four percent interest for 40 years, suddenly you had treasury bills at 15% uh, long-term treasury bonds at 18%, numbers that were just out of um, way out of the ordinary. And it created enormous problems for life insurance companies because they largely held fixed income assets um, yielding 4% or those types of numbers, which are now worth not very much money in an 18% world. So while the company was going through great struggles with that, I sort of figured out how by matching assets and liabilities, I could build a business within that. And I, I started within my company an, an investment business um, for pension plan assets that I grew from essentially nothing to around $3 billion. Um, my company had around $12 billion in assets. So I was a quarter of the company, but the company had 2,000 employees and, a, and a th another 1,000 salespeople. I had three salespeople and three administrative people, and the seven of us 
were producing as much money as you know the other three thousand people were. So we just by, by building a little business, taking advantage of the actual aspects of starting an investment business at a high interest rate time. Um, just created an enormous opportunity for me to um, aid it, to help my company weather the storm, to make some money. It, it, it helped me kind of learn um, at that time a lot of new computer skills because PCs were coming into the into the um, world there. I was able to, to write my own software that kind of projected out the assets, projected out my liabilities so that I could make sure that no matter what happened to interest rates, whether they stayed at 18% or came back down, my little line of business would be perfectly matched and would weather any storm. So I was kind of managing a book of business on a kind of a as risk-free way as possible. And it just created an enormous, it, it brought me big exposure within the company. It, it taught me a lot of skills that led me to become the appointed actuary at two different life insurance companies. That's something that, that the board of directors of a company appoints someone who is essentially independent of the company reporting directly to the board. But it was, it was sort of, a, I've had a lot of curiosity about asset liability matching. And I read a lot about the work that the Society of Actuaries was doing in that area uh, on the research side. And by applying that in the business context, um, it just created a, a great opportunity for me and a great opportunity for my company to um, to make some money in what otherwise would have been a very difficult time. Yeah, and it just it was just sort of a it was a fun time. It was a you know while the rest of the company was struggling, you know we were bringing in money by the millions, so it was um, it was just an enormous amount of fun. That's really pretty cool. I mean, it, it sounds like you kind of just went off and just started doing it, or did you have to go get you know, approval or, or how did you do that? I, I needed some approval. I first, um, I was really fortunate in that I had, um, a really good, uh, I guess, boss at the time. He was brilliant and I was able to explain what I wanted to do and, and he understood and we didn't, you know, we started it small. We kind of, you know, did it a little bit at a time and saw that it worked and then kind of doubled it and then doubled it and then doubled it and it still worked. Um, so, um, you know, when the problem with companies, of course, is unless you own them, you're in a, you're in a bureaucracy of sorts that you do have to kind of follow company policy. But you can always stretch that policy and kind of steer it the way you want it to go. So it was working with what eventually became kind of a senior management team. And then they finally trusted that um, the way I was doing it was working and um, it was working well for our customers and working well for the company. That um, they gave they gave me more and more leeway as it as the success of the of, of my line of business grew. Yeah, and I, I think that's one thing I'm hearing through this as a kind of a theme is that you know you took action, and a lot of people they won't take action; they'll just sit back and do what they're supposed to do and and go, oh well, business is down. But you saw something that might be successful, and you took action and you did it, and that's that's really cool. So STEM Nation. Make note of that when you when you're out there in your working career and you see an opportunity, go take action and go do something about it. It may not work out, but heck, it may work out really well and and really launch your career. Exactly. This this will you know the people that sit on the sidelines and complain about what's not working right or that say oh they should do this or that they should do that. Um, those aren't the people that are going to be running the company in five years. It's the people that figure out what should be done and then you know make recommendations, pursue them, convince, communicate, explain. Those are the ones that are going to be successful. And frankly, they're, they're going to be the ones that have an, an, a lot more fun doing it as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that and that's where the people skills come into these STEM careers is, you know, you're not going to be sitting at a computer just kind of doing your job all day long. You've got to go communicate and a lot of times over communicate mm-hmm. and keep communicating. So people skills are very valuable in these STEM careers. Yeah, I can't I can't echo that strongly enough how, you know, while it's good to be technically competent and be really smart, but if you've got the greatest ideas and you can't convince others and communicate and explain them to others with a less technical background, you're not going to be successful. You really need to develop communication skills, written skills, oral skills, um, and you know, it comes hard sometimes to stem people because we're so good at, at being, at, you know, we take pride in our technical competence, but you really need to be a good communicator if you're going to be successful in, in any type of business. And I think it's particularly true for people that are just in, a, in an environment where they're just technically um, more competent than, than people higher up the, the food chain in their companies. And they've got to learn to be able to explain that the way people understand it. Yeah, and don't and don't take the excuse that, you know, oh, I'm an introvert, so I can't do that, because I'll tell you, I'm an introvert, and I'm doing a podcast, so that's not stopping me. Hey, Jerry, we're going we're gonna to move over a little bit here to, remember our audience are, you know, they're maybe younger college students, high school students, maybe heading off to college. If you, if you could go back in time to when you were 18, heading off to college, what's something that you wish you knew back then? or maybe even knew back then that would help our STEM nation launch into college? You know, I, I think if, if you think at 18 years old, you know what you want to do for the rest of your life, um, you're, you're probably wrong. It, it, you know, it's, it's, um, I did actually want to be an actuary. I'd learned about the career from a neighbor who worked for an insurance company and it worked out for me, but I'm sure there are lots, I went to an engineering school. I'm sure there are lots of people that started out as engineers and then chose to do something different. Um, so get a, get a varied education. Don't just learn everything there is to know about computers or mathematics or some other thing, you know, take some humanities courses, learn some, learn about the history, learn about the revolutions that took place in China and Russia and places like that. Um, get a broad education that will, will service you well. You can always get the technical skills um, you'll need. But um, I, I think if you are planning to be an actuary, you're going to need to develop good study skills um, in college because you're going to need to be studying a lot after college. I actually, um, you know, my college record probably isn't a stellar one. I didn't spend a lot of time studying. I have an enormous amount of fun in college, but I started studying much more diligently when I was taking actual exams because the stakes were so high in moving my career along and in getting those salary increases. But I, I think, you know, the fact that I, I didn't take all math courses, I took a variety of, of courses in college. It really helped me get a good basic education that, that that served me well. I wish I had done taken more English courses. I wish I had taken more more English composition uh, literature courses than I had, but because that would have helped me as well. But um, getting involved, getting involved with some extracurricular activities, whether it's sports, whether it's um, special interest clubs, anything from skiing to hiking. Uh, making a lot of friends is really important because you'll, you'll kind of develop a, a network of people that can help you um, as, as you grow forward, as you, as you build a professional network. But I think at 18 years old, you're, you really need to, to know that you've got – you're making a fresh start when you go to college. You can put high school behind you. And you can, you know, you kind of start with a 4.0 average. It only goes down from there as you get other grades um, through the, the other years. But you can, 
uh, you can get a, get a very successful college career. And that's what you, people are, you'll be competing against the kids in your classes for jobs at the end of that four year period. And you've got to keep that in mind. Um, you don't want to make college a four year pressure cooker, um, cause you should enjoy yourself, but you have to recognize at the end of the day that even the marks you have as a, as a freshman uh, are going to add to your average just as much as the ones you have as a, as a senior. Um, I think the job market is just far more competitive today than it was, um, when I went to school. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's now you're competing with everybody in the world, not just people, you know, local to the, the U S or wherever you're located around the world. Hey, we're, we're nearing the end here, Jerry, and we're going to, we're going to launch into lightning round. Are you, are you ready for the lightning I'm round? I'm ready for the lightning round. Awesome. All right. Hey, what's, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? You know, I think the best advice I had actually was some financial advice. Um, always make sure you save some money and, uh, you know, don't get don't don't get a, a credit card debt. Don't get behind yourself. Always live within your means and and be self sufficient. And uh, and that's actually what allowed me to retire. I I was a pretty good saver. I, I didn't spend all my money. I, I put some away. You know, not a lot, but I just over time. Um, you know, I think uh, Albert Einstein said. Uh, you know, compound interest is one of the most powerful forces in the universe. So I, I think being financially savvy um, was important in, in, in helping me get to where I wanted, which is to now live the life of, of do whatever I want as a, as, a, as a retiree. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, pay yourself first, uh, STEM Nation. What's a personal habit that contributes to your success, Jerry? I, I think a personal habit is, is getting exercise. Um, I personally like to swim laps. Um, or, or swim, you know, and, and sometimes I've had opportunities where I could swim in a lake or a pond. Um, and I used to swim every morning and I, on the way to work, I'd, I'd swim a mile, take me about, you know, 30 minutes or so and 35 minutes. And you'd think, okay, what do I have to do today? I kind of mapped out my day of, of what I wanted to do, what kind of, who I needed to talk to, to get things done, what steps I had to take and kind of technical projects I was working on. Um, and I, I mapped out my day. So kind of being organized helped. But for me, it was, it was swimming in the morning. I got my exercise in. It allowed me to, to, to kind of map out my day and be ready for it. I, I think the other habit is just making sure you always know, um, where you stand on things. So in, being in management, I, I went to a lot of meetings we made a lot of decisions, um, it's really helpful to know who's on your side and, and who has other ideas. And so I, I, I kind of learned never to go to a meeting without knowing where everybody stood on an issue. If I was trying to convince them that the company should do a certain thing, if I was going to have resistance to that, I want to deal with it before I got there rather than be surprised by it at the meeting. So it's, those are the sorts of things I kind of muddled through my mind as I was looking at that black line going back and forth on the bottom of the swimming pool. Yeah, that that's great advice. And, you know, you, you got to do the important things first thing in the morning, like, you know, doing the swimming, taking taking advantage of that time before the, the world starts getting crazy. Mm-hmm. Hey, what what's a favorite internet resource you have or a phone app? You know, I, I, I spend a, I have a, just an enormous interest in the stock market. Um, so I spend a lot of time at, at Bloomberg. I spend a lot of time at WallStreetJournal.com. And I spend a lot of time at my, my broker's website, TD Ameritrade. Um, I, I, I follow news stories. Um, and I just... Uh, 
kind of financial news is what really interests me. And uh, I found it served me well in business, you know, nine times out of 10, what I'd read in the Wall Street Journal in the morning or what I'd read kind of hunting around companies I was I was interested in never, never came to pass in terms of what I needed that day. But every now and then, you just learned something that really woke you up to something, you know, I should be thinking about for my own company. So it's kind of financial news resources on the internet that, uh, that were the, to me are the, what I spent the most time with. Awesome. If you had to recommend a book for our STEM nation, what would that be and why? You know, there's a lot of different books I'd like to recommend. There's a lot of great nonfiction fiction books out there, but one book I really like is Atlas Shrugged. Um, Atlas Shrugged was written by Ann Rand about probably more than 50 years ago. And I think it really tells a lot about how to be successful in business. So um, it's a long read. It's about a thousand pages, but it's, it's a wonderful book. Hey, Jerry, as we wrap up here, can you share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation? And then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Uh, I think for for those of you that are interested in an actuarial career, um, I would uh, again, I'd go I'd go to the to the Society of Actuaries website. I'd, I'd see what there is to be learned there. I'd I'd go to be an actuary. I would take. I would try to get a couple of actuarial exams passed while you're in college. Um, you're going to need those if you want to compete for jobs when you complete college. So passing two, three, four exams while you're in college would be very serve you really well in terms of being less studying after you get out. Um, but I think the, the other guidance I, I would have to, to young people is, you know, you've got an awful lot of time ahead of you. Um, you probably don't know exactly where you're going, wherever you start working, you'll be somewhere different a few years out. So get a really varied background and keep your eyes uh, open and your, and your mind open to other opportunities. Uh, you may have grown up in, in one area and think that's where you always want to live. But, you know, I think, I think, you know, every young person should live, for example, in New York City for a couple of years before they, 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 they go on and go somewhere else. So get some real good experiences, travel the world. Um, and, and have an open mind about, about opportunities. And, uh, and I think you can have a very, very successful and satisfying career. Jerry, that was, I mean, this whole interview, uh, you provided so much value to STEM Nation with your, you know, 30 plus years of experience in the Society of Actuary President. So much good insight. I really appreciate your time and uh, thank you and we'll say goodbye. Thanks, Jeff. It's been fun and I wish, uh, I wish the listening audience uh, great, great luck and success ahead. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today with Jerry. Head on over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Tune in next week where we talk with Bond Calloway, who is a chemical engineer and the president of the American Institute of Chemical Engineers. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.